This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibbony, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. You are listening to a special a crossover combined uh, episode of the Church Politics Podcast and Faith 2020. Uh, this is Michael Ware, Justin Gibney, the AND campaign. Justin, how are you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good, man. As, as I'm sure you're going to get to, we we had an opportunity to release uh, the AND campaign, release, AND campaign released our uh, 2020 presidential statement. Uh, as you know, it's something that we have been working on for months and months and months and months. Uh, with a lot of a lot of back and forth, a lot of prayers, and so it, w- it was good to get that out there. So I'm, I'm feeling really good, man. How about yourself? Yeah, feeling great. And you know that that's uh, we're I think really excited in this episode to uh, maybe talk to folks in a bit more depth about about the statement, uh, about what's in it, about why we think it's important, and, and sort of. Uh, maybe even a bit of you know what it looks like moving forward. I'm I'm recording now uh, from Iowa. I'm in Iowa this week. Uh, there's a, a conference up at Dort University, which is in the Sioux uh, Siouxland region of Iowa in the West, and uh, speaking at a conference here uh, that a couple of the Presidential candidates will be at, including Tulsi Gabbard, who's had an an interesting interesting week, and then uh, the the local Democratic Party heard that I was in town, so I'm speaking to the local county Democratic Party, and you know, 2020 is heating up here in Iowa, and that's that's you know that's why we wanted to release this statement when we did, which is, you know, even though the election is more than the general election is more than a year out, the primaries are just about a hundred days. The Iowa caucus kicks off in just about a hundred days. And, you know, we thought it was important to speak into. So, so, so Justin, let's, let's dive right in as president and executive director of the and campaign. Why did you think uh, that this this statement was was something important for the AND campaign to do. Yeah, I mean, and, and and to be honest with you, Michael, it really goes down to the 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 foundation or the impetus for even creating the AND campaign. Um, I think that you know the the reason for the statement and the reason for the AND campaign are very much alike. And in some, you know, we released it and thought it was important because too many Christians feel unrepresented are misrepresented, I should say, by the political right and underrepresented by the political left. Um, You know, we see statements from Falwell and Paula White and just cringe, right? Just cringe at the thought that those are seen as the voices of, uh, quote unquote, non-progressive Christianity. Uh, It's pitiful. Uh, They certainly don't represent me. 
And they certainly don't represent most of the Christians that I know. And so to see that as the main representation of a more um, traditional or conservative Christianity is just really sad because I think what they're doing is not orthodoxy at all uh, because it has no orthopraxy. It doesn't have the right praxis or even the right tone. And so I think a lot of Christians are sick of that being the representation of people who have more centered or traditional views on a lot of different issues. And at this at the same time, Michael, uh, we don't feel represented. A lot of Christians don't by, you know, what we've called the religious left. Right. By by Christians who are really hard to distinguish from secular progressives. And, And I've talked about this a lot. You know, the, the so-called religious left seems like this, the other side of the coin of the same coin of the, as the religious right, because they don't push the left on major social issues like abortion, like uh, transgender ideology. Uh, they followed the exact course of the secular left on too many crucial issues. And there are a lot of Christians that just cannot really um, connect or identify with the left because of that. And so. Many people have seen this void. Many people have seen the Christians just feeling like, where can I identify and be faithful? And so what we wanted to do was make sure that Christians had a framework looking into the 2020 race that would help them look at 2020 in a more faithful way. We weren't telling anybody who to vote for. Uh, You know, we weren't telling you what to think on every single issue, but there were some issues that we think faith could play a major part in. And we wanted to speak on those issues. Uh, And so it was just awesome. You know, I've been blown away, Michael, by the response. Uh, A lot of people just seem to be relieved that there's a statement that accurately accurately represents their faith based politics. Uh, They see their convictions and their perspective in this statement. And we've always wanted to give believers something uh, gospel centered to identify with. Uh, I believe so many Christians wrongly identify so strongly with conservatism or progressivism or Democrats and Republicans because they don't see an alternative. And we've always wanted to kind of be that alternative, not to say that you can't be in a party or have some ideological tribe to some extent, but to say that you must be Christian first. And I think that's what this statement was trying to do. If you read the preamble, that's what we're getting at, that Christians do have a voice. They should have a voice and they should be participating and taking responsibility uh, for their citizenship and all the things that come along with it. One of the uh, most exciting parts about this statement to me, and and I just have a lot of gratitude towards the elders that signed on with us, Uh, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, Reverend Joseph Darvey, uh, Dr. Walter McCray, who trusted us enough. And it does take some trust. I mean, these are people who have built up their reputations for a long time and and are held in very high regard. So for them to trust us to sign on to this statement meant a lot. We wanted this to be an intergenerational effort. Uh, We believe that the gospel is timeless. So there's no reason that the generations can't stand shoulder to shoulder when applying uh, the gospel to the political arena. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Creating a framework for Christians who who want to be faithful, giving them a voice and then obviously wanting the uh, political landscape and the candidates to respond to it, uh, to, to, to really address some of the issues that we're putting out there. Uh, is it is it a perfect statement? No. Uh, does it touch on every single important issue, even issues that we think are important? No, it doesn't. But it is strong. And I do think it represents the base of people uh, who we are trying to speak for. Yeah, and Justin, I, I just think that's uh, that's important, and 
part of the value of the statement is it's paradigm shifting, I, I, I hope, in the sense that we're actually quite explicit that we're not, uh, we don't think our view is the only sort of Christian way, <laughs> you know, that, that, that because politics is a prudential and, uh, 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 and because politics is not ultimate, there are going to be a, a multiplicity of, uh, faithfully Christian views uh, looking at 2020. Uh, there might be uh, different issues that some Christians would emphasize or include. Now, of course, at the end campaign, we, we believe there's a there's a general framework that that Christians ought to, ought to think r- really carefully about going outside. If your if your approach is uh, all compassion, for instance, but no conviction, uh, you, you might want to reflect on that. Uh, but when it gets down to, to specific policy recommendations or uh, the, the way you, you order uh, different priorities, there's, there's a lot of room and a lot of grace. Uh, but this statement, uh, so all that to say, there are some Christians who, who won't, uh, who won't want to sign this statement. Uh, and that's, that, that's cool. You're not outside of the kingdom of God. You're just, you're just outside of this effort that we're doing at the end campaign. So, so Michael, what you're saying is, although it's probably not likely you can go to heaven without this, signing this statement, it is possible. Is that it what is, you're getting I mean, at? it is possible. <laughs> it is, it is possible. Uh, <laughs> uh it, well, let me say this. If you sign the statement, you're definitely getting to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> and then, like, it's more of like a coin toss. If, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, I, I've heard the same things that you, that you have, Justin, which is that for the, for the Christians that, that we're representing in this, what is a broad, inclusive statement we've heard from folks across the country who have signed uh, from uh, Republicans, independents, Democrats, uh, folks in uh, just about every denomination uh, you could think of uh, who have signed the same. And what we've heard from them is uh, just, I've been unrepresented or misrepresented for so long. uh, And, felt like I had to split myself in order to carry out my civic duty. And now it's, uh, this provides me a way that, that I don't have to have that integrity split to the, to the same, uh, to the same extent. And so uh, I agree with you, Justin, that's what has been uh, really encouraging uh, to me. Uh, I'd say this is not the end campaign's own, uh, another important thing to say is this is not the AND campaign's only statement uh, or only communication ever. If you go to AND campaign's website now, we have uh, uh, we've released pr- uh, statements on uh, specific current events that have come up. If you go to the about page on the AND campaign, uh, there's a policy platform that that touches on some issues that aren't in the statement. Uh, we reserve the right to speak to uh, any issue if we feel like it's appropriate and like there's a Christian witness to bring to it uh, moving forward. Uh, this statement is an assessment 
in communication with the elders who signed, in communication with the initial signers that signed about how we could play a constructive role uh, in this in this presidential election process. Justin, what what are some of the issues that come up in this statement that you know really really strike you? Tell folks a bit about what what's actually in it. Yeah. So, you know, we start off with a very strong preamble that you and I worked worked very hard on, and we wanted to establish the importance of Christians participating in politics, establish the understanding that you participating or choosing not to participate has real consequences. We also wanted to address kind of the false uh, understanding of the separation between church and state, as some people feel like the separation between church and state, that mean, means that if you are a Christian, when you go into politics or when you vote, you shouldn't v- bring your values with you as if in Christianity, you can separate your Christianity from anything. And as as faithful Christians, our Christianity and our values go with us everywhere. Right. And, and we should know that laws are made based on values. And those just aren't the values of secular people. They're the values of people of faith, too. And so we want to be very clear on that. But really just asking Christians to be responsible, thoughtful and justice oriented uh, when they went into the political conversation. And I think we established I think we set a, a very firm foundation uh, in the preamble in that regard. And then we wanted to get to to uh, something like poverty very quickly. We wanted to talk about poverty and why, you know, when we do, when we look at our economic policy, people in poverty shouldn't be the last people we think about, hmm. right? Yeah. They shouldn't be like, okay, let's make sure that everybody else is taken care of. We got our tax cuts. We got this, we got that. And oh yeah, let's get to those folks huh. uh, at some time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's the way that we should deal with that. I don't think that we should, uh, uh, disregard the the status of of children and women when it comes to our economic policy, and so we wanted to emphasize those things. Uh, we go into the conversations about race, right, and, and talk about that that race has been an issue in America, and we're going to acknowledge that it's been an issue, and we want all of the candidates on on both sides to to have a conversation about race and how we can deal with racial disparities in housing, criminal justice, and, and so on. Those are conversations that need to be had, but they're, they're policy oriented conversations. Mm. Uh, and we want, we want, you know, we didn't necessarily say the policy has to be right. this, but it does have to be talked about. Uh, we give room for, for different uh, solutions, but it does need to be talked about. And, you know, those are in a lot of instances, people think of those as more progressive issues. But again, we think of those as uh, issues that the gospel would lead us to yeah. address. Uh, so we weren't again, we weren't concerned about what was progressive, what was considered conservative. We were worried about saying, hey, we're not worried about those frameworks. We have our own yeah, framework. Yeah. And so I think that caused us to focus on what's considered progressive issues like those and then get into some issues that were uh, more people may consider more conservative leaning, which, are you know, we talk about um uh, abortion, right? We take a very comprehensive pro-life stance, uh, caring about uh, the unborn, making sure people don't think a, a abortion is something that should be celebrated. We've really jumped to saying, hey, shout out your abortion. It's something that you should be proud of. Uh, no, we care for women who are in those crisis pregnancies, and, and we want the, the candidates to care to care too. At the same time, we don't act like the baby doesn't exist. And it's a tragedy uh, any time that an abortion happens. So we want to we wanted to be clear on that and, and something like religious freedom. Right. Uh, addressing the fact that there are elements uh, in politics that would like to remove faith from the public square. 
And we wanted to be very clear to the candidates that's not acceptable. Uh, and, you know, all, all this kind of comes to a head with, uh, we know, Beto O'Rourke made some comments about, uh, you know, what would happen to churches if they didn't go along with polite society when it came to sexual orientation and all those things. And we wanted to be very clear. We're not going for that. And people who take that that position, we see it and we're going to acknowledge it. And, you know, we, we vote based on on those things. So, you know, uh, like you said, a broad variety of, of issues and, you know, don't underestimate how tough it can be to get a, a fairly diverse coalition to agree on all those issues. And that may be one of the biggest things that comes out of this statement is how we could get a broad group of Christians who just do not do politics to, together, do not do advocacy together in general to come together to agree on a statement that's dealing with some very tough issues. And and that's one of the things that makes me really proud about this yeah, statement, Michael. Yeah, me, me too. I, I think it's, I mean, I, I hope and think that that was part of what some of the reaction to it was. It's uh, for me, even, you know, being involved in putting it together, it wasn't just refreshing because of the issues or the political implications of it, but because in a scene where Christian political engagement and in a moment when Christian political engagement has been almost defined by by faction and division and, you know, chaos and an inability to come together, you know, th- this statement offers an alternative uh, vision, an alternative picture of what I think could be the future of the Christian witness in politics. Not, not, uh, not just the, the AN campaign, <laughs> of course, but this idea that that uh, that that we could have a political witness that challenges both political parties. That is is. Uh, uh, that is aspirational, and so I, I, I'm uh, I, I'm excited that, that it's out into the world. I, I think in the coming days and weeks, we've been talking to uh, reporters and excited to 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 see the statement be covered in the press for folks to know the statement is uh, in the hands of the leading presidential campaigns on both the Republican and the Democratic side. And we've been receiving signups and we'll continue to receive uh, signups. And so I I would encourage folks to go to andcampaign.org backslash 2020. And there you'll be able to sign the statement. You'll be able to read the full statement. You'll also see uh, graphics that uh, that we put together for you to be able to share it more easily with with your friends and, and those in your network. And Justin, it is important the number of uh, signers that come behind this. Uh, and that's you know one thing I, I want to say on, on this podcast, which is um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, I hear so often when I'm, I'm traveling or even, you know, in response to this podcast and, and work that, that you and I do, we, we hear from folks who say, you know, you know, this is, you know, refreshing. This is new. I haven't heard this before. Why isn't this represented? Um, and it's important to note that this podcast, the and campaign, isn't just, isn't an arrangement of individual personalities who come together to sometimes do things together. We all could have done that 
ourselves and we wouldn't need a branded podcast. We wouldn't need an organization. We wouldn't need uh, to be incorporated. We wouldn't need to have a tax you know, status. The reason why the ad campaign was uh, created, the reason why I think it's so important is because uh, it, it's it's an institution. <laughs> and if, if folks want to see the kind of views that are represented and the kind of posture that's represented in the statement, it's going to take more than just uh, individuals who through their own uh, individual platforms and means uh, and conversations sort of share this ethic. It's it's going to take institutions. It's going to take people working together. It's going to take organizations. Uh, and it's going to take people willing to join their voice uh, with others when maybe uh, there's 90% agreement, uh, but but there's a 10% that, oh, well, I wouldn't have said it exactly that way. I would have ordered things differently. Look, the reason why our politics is the way it is, is because there are large, not too large, our political parties, you you know, some folks would be surprised to, to learn that our political parties only represent about 30% of the country each, uh, that they don't represent everybody, but they represent enough people who are willing to organize together. And the big advocacy groups overtake sort of the conversation, the NRAs and, the, and those kind of groups have enough people who are willing to throw their uh, voice with others together on a, on a on a coherent message that it has impact in the public square. And so all of that to say, for those who have, have and are going to sign the statement, the message you're sending is, I'm willing to join my voice with generally like-minded people in a way that politicians are going to have to pay attention to if they want to get elected uh, and if they want to serve in a way where they're going to be successful. Uh, it, it actually influences the incentive structure uh, that politicians have to respond to. It, it, it changes the way that, that people in, in the media and those who uh, look at making political decisions the way that they have to factor in how they go about their their jobs because no longer is it just sort of the extremes represented or the sort of calcified uh, interests but now there are people who are binding together to say this is our platform this is what we're interested in and and that could be a that could be a game changing thing and so would want to encourage folks that. Again, if you look at the statement and think it represents a better direction, that you'd sign it, that you'd, you'd join, you'd add your voice to uh, to those who have already signed. Yeah, you make such a good point. The AND campaign, has ne although we want to give people something to identify with, it has never been something where we just want you to observe and just say amen. Yeah. We want you to get involved. The end campaign does not grow if you just listen to the podcast, you know, talk to your friends about it, but don't get involved. One way to get involved, we're trying to create on ramps to get involved in a real way. One way to start that is by reading the statement, uh, praying on it and considering signing the statement. We want to get everyone who listens to this podcast involved. We we can't do politics anymore waiting for other people to get involved. This is part of the reason why our political uh, landscape is the way that it is. 
because the people in the middle, the people who are being more, um, you know, sometimes more civil, who are being more thoughtful, just let the people on the extremes be the ones who are actually getting involved and just wait for others, hoping others that agree with you uh, are getting going to get involved and represent you. No, represent yourself, too. And so by getting involved with a, with an organization and an institution like the AND campaign, that's how you actually bring about change, not just kind of waiting for other people to do it for you. So we are you. We're trying to join with you to kind of push forward on this. And it's, it's really important. And, and I'll let you know, I mean, it hasn't been all good with the statement either. Right. Uh, we have gotten some pushback. Uh, much of our pushback has come on, quite honestly, from people who don't like that we critiqued the administration. Right. Straight up, people just did not want us to mention the administration or anything negative possibly about the administration. And I'm just sorry. Uh, Trump is our is the leader of the free world and he has done some really terrible things. We wouldn't be honest uh, to who we are if we did not address that. Uh, the end campaign will not be participating in any type of false equivalency. That said, none of our critiques are malicious yeah. or gratuitous. Um, civility does not mean that you leave bad behavior unaddressed. And so that's why we thought it was necessary to address uh, some of the things that we may have disagreed with with the uh, administration, but to do it in a very constructive way. And so there's no cheap shots. There's no pettiness. But we do point out that there have been failures. Uh, and, and, you know, we we, we take uh, full responsibility from that. We've, you know, uh, sadly, you know, I, I learned yesterday that we had. Uh, a pastor who signed on with us that once some folks found out that he had signed it, uh, one of his speaking engagements, they uh, actually pulled it back. Uh, right. They didn't they didn't want him to come speak at this particular church anymore. Uh, the names really don't matter, but there are always consequences uh, to making a real statement. And right. Just what's important. One piece that's important about that story is that they said that they agreed with the statement. <laughs> right. I believe that's right. So they agree. Yeah, no, that's right. They agree with the content. Uh, but it, it was it was that quietest step. It, it was it was. You know, we're not sure we want to get involved in that politics mess, even though what you signed is important and true and good. Uh, it's just going to it's going to be a little complicated for us. That, yeah, whenever you say, hey, man, I, I like what you did. I think you did the right thing, but I can't support it. Whenever you start punishing right. brothers and sisters for speaking up against injustice and saying the right thing, you may want to think twice about yeah. that, about the positions that you're, you're taking and what you're enabling. Yeah. Right. Uh, because, uh, you know, the person that happened to is going to be all right. Uh, is taking it in stride, understood that this could co this comes with the territory, but it's still not right. Yeah. And so uh, we're open to pushback. We're open to feedback. But in, in regard to us having a critique of the administration, this is the administration today. <laughs> you know, this isn't meant to critique other administrations from the past. We're dealing with the administration that's in office right now. We had a very fair critique and I believe would have been remiss not to have some critique in there. Yeah. So we, we're open to, to criticism of that. But that's why we place yeah. that in yeah, there. And, uh, the other thing that I think is big about yeah, oh, just go ahead, on that point, Michael. I just want to add. You know, barring impeachment and removal from office, which I think everyone involved thinks is unlikely at, at this point, uh, though not impossible, uh, but barring impeachment and removal, Donald Trump is, is the only sure thing about this election. We don't have a Democratic nominee yet. We don't know what the election is going to look like outside of the fact that Donald Trump is announcing and 
frankly, has 80% support within the Republican Party right now. And so, you know, not only is it the current administration in office, but you can only speak with specificity uh, and identification with things that are named. <laughs> you know, part, part, part of the reason why, you know, I, I think if folks read the statement, and I think, Justin, you're about to get to this, but I think if folks, folks read the statement, it, it's very clear that there are, the whole thing is a challenge to Democrats and then there are specific issues that come up that are particularly profound challenges to Democrats. One difference between where we identified Trump and uh, and those issues that are challenging to, to Democrats uh, is that I'm not sure much distinguishes the Democrats on those issues. So uh, are we going to, everyone knows who's running in the Democratic primary. It's a challenge to all of them. It's a challenge to all the Republicans. Uh, and, and so I, I, do, I do think that that's an important context. Uh, once a Democratic nominee is selected, uh, then we're going to be able to speak with some specificity and some, uh, some, some directness about exactly what they're standing for. Until then, uh, the, the, the language, I think, applies equally and fairly, you know, to, to all. Yeah. And, and you, you'll find if you look through that list, there are some people who uh, normally would vote Republican who are who are on that list. Um, and, and, and show me, you know, we we certainly avoid uh, partisanship here. Anybody who listens, anybody who who reads our, uh, what we write, anybody who listens to this show knows that we do not hold punches in that regard. Uh, you know, I wrote for Christianity Today with some very uh, tough words for President Obama, where I thought that his some of his policies were not healthy for uh, America. And so that's something we, yeah. we do. And those who know us know that. Uh, and then again, Michael, I think you hit it on the head. Name some, you know, name, show me in the in the Democratic Party platform where they talk about abortion in the way that we talked about abortion, right. uh, where they talk about the importance of religious liberty in the way that we talked about religious liberty. It just isn't there. And so there's a real challenge and addressing the full uh, scope of that statement is going to be very challenging uh, to some of the folks on the Democratic side. If that's something they decide to do, uh, that's been a consensus for the most part that that we achieved that. And I, I'm just very happy about that. Uh, but one of the things, you know, now we're on the subject of religious liberty. One of the big parts of this, I think, was the endorsement of the Fairness mm -hmm. for All Act. Um, as, as some of you, those who have already read it, know in the section ab about uh, religious liberty, we talk about the Fairness for All Act. The the Ann campaign has always uh, talked about the importance of religious freedom uh, of the of that First Amendment right and making sure that Christians understand what the consequences can be if that right isn't upheld. Uh, and and we want people to be educated and understanding that when it comes to religious freedom, this isn't just a Christian right. Right. This is for people of all faiths that deserve to be able to worship and follow their conscience based on their beliefs. Uh, we've been very clear about that. And we just thought the Fairness for All Act wasn't was something that was important for us to uh, to endorse and, and to let more Christians know about. So for those of you that, that don't know, the Fairness for All Act deals with religious freedom, uh, also with LGBTQ rights. These are two things that in most instances, when you hear about them, they are in complete conflict. People talk about religious liberty and LGBTQ rights as if there is no way to kind of reconcile them. Uh, and the Annie campaign just happens to disagree. One of the first things that we say in this section is that we do maintain the historic Christian sexual ethic. 
we we think that is is timeless. It does not expire, and and we follow that. And so we we're not moving from that position at all. And we want to be very clear about that. The question is, does us you know does us following and maintaining that ethic mean that we should disregard how people who are in the LGBTQ community are treated? And our answer to that would be no. One of the things that the Fairness for All Act does is that it allows for the church to be protected uh, when it comes to religious freedom. It allows for the church and other Christian uh, and other faith based organizations like hospitals and colleges to be protected uh, and also allows for LGBTQ people not to be, you know, um, denied housing, put out of their jobs and all these other things because of how they identify. It actually comes from what is called the Utah Compromise, where the the Mormon community came together with the LGBTQ community to find a path forward while maintaining their beliefs. And so we believe that it's possible. Do we believe that there's a tension between uh, people with, you know, more more traditional or centered uh, values on this particular issue and the LGBTQ Q community? Yes, there's a tension there. I don't know that that tension will ever go anywhere. That doesn't mean that we can't find solutions. And so I think people, rather than comparing uh, this type of legislation to the perfect legislation you would want on either side, it may be better for you to compare it to something like the Equality Act. The Equality Act gives LGBTQ community uh, the rights that were some of the rights that we're talking about, but has no consideration for the church has no protections for the church. It would leave churches, it would leave uh, hospitals and especially um, uh, educational institutions with, you know, just exposed to all types of litigation that would really just force them to close their doors. And so the end campaign th- thinks this is an issue that really needs to be addressed because a lot of people don't know what's in the what's in the Equality Act. And we think the Fairness for All Act is a much better thoughtful I would say it's more of an example of different communities coming together and actually collaborating and working together to make things better. That's exactly it. I mean, it, we have to figure out how we're going to live together as as a society, Justin. And uh, so much of the talk around these issues uh, is is folks uh, only referring to their own political base, only referring to their own interests. And they know that that's not going to get them anywhere. They they know that federal legislation isn't going to pass on that basis. But they have their bills. They they talk about them. They raise money off of them. They raise money off of scaring people about other people's bills. Uh, but at the end of the day, people's needs are still going unmet. People's rights are still unprotected, uh, including religious folks' rights, including religious institutions' rights, uh, and including the, the, the basic sense of belonging in the American family that citizens need to have and a democracy needs to have in order to function. There are some people who believe that the way this issue has to be resolved is by uh, leaving those who disagree outside of the American family, and w- we just don't think that way. We just don't. We don't think that's practical. We don't think that's right, and we don't think it's necessary. And, and you know, I, I'd say we've heard from so many people who have been like, "Yes, <laughs> I, I, I always thought." given the way that my life works and the way my local community works, that there ought to be some kind of way to talk about 
both religious freedom and basic uh, LGBT rights, but because I didn't see anyone actually doing it in politics, I, I just thought maybe you know I I was naive. Uh, but then I saw your statement, and you know that's that's part of the joy of putting a statement like this out, out in the world. Is like we're just hearing from people who have been thinking through these issues in their own lives uh, in, in much this way, but our national politics in particular is just so suffocating, so saturating, and, and really so limited and narrow uh, that uh, they, they just didn't think that uh, they thought they were missing something. And I just want to say, you're not missing anything. It, it's It's some of the folks who are in the newspapers all the time. It's some of the folks who are uh, raising millions of dollars off of other folks' pain. They're the ones who are missing something. And so we're excited that there's a broad array of people who have signed the statement, especially this section, that we could both uphold and represent ourselves in the public as folks who, who hold the historic view. And then also say part of the historical view of Christianity is graciousness <laughs> and and the idea that we we love folks, which means that we we will their good. We want them to flourish. We want them to not be outcasts in society. And so, just not, I just think that's that's really important. Uh, again, we're we're always uh, this isn't this is a policy issue, which means it's not a matter of dogma. It's not it's not if you disagree, you're not being faithful. Just just by uh, the sense of your uh, your disagreement, it, it does come out of a set of theological convictions uh, as well. Yeah, no, very good points, and and I'll just kind of put this this point on it too. You know, the LGBTQ movement, as I just said, has created a tension with the church. Uh, there are some serious threats and other concerns associated with it, in my opinion. But let me say this. Insofar as this movement has made us think more deeply and more compassionately about how we treat our LGBTQ neighbors, yeah. then it hasn't been completely without benefit. And, and God has a strange way of doing things like that throughout right, history. Right, right. I know that I've grown because of the discomforts of this conversation. Uh, I hadn't always addressed this issue properly, and I'm very open and straightforward about that and have uh, publicly repented for that. Again, and endorsing the Fairness for All Act was our attempt to do the right thing, first and foremost, and to bring the organization closer to faithfulness on this issue, uh, to be more compassionate without rejecting Christian convictions. It allowed us to say that you can love your uh, you can love your neighbor without affirming everything they do, allowed us to say that, but also to show it and prove it. And and that was really important uh, for us. And, and I'll just kind of end with this. To me, the Fairness for All Act comes down to two questions. Should faith-based organ- organizations be forced to surrender their convictions or close their doors? And should LGBTQ people be denied housing, jobs, and other necessities because of how they identify? To me, if you answer no for both of those questions, then while the Fairness for All Act isn't perfect, and there's some things I wish we could have gotten more out of it in some instances, it's not perfect, but it is the best solution that I see, and certainly a way better solution than the Equality Act. All, all right, Justin. So, you know, in this episode, we wanted to, you know, give folks an overview of the statement. 
respond to some of the feedback that we've received. I, I, I think we've done that. We would encourage folks, again, go to andcampaign.org backslash 2020 to see to read the statement for yourself, uh, sign it uh, if you can, and then spread spread the word. We want folks from all over the country uh, on this statement so that it can be represented and heard in the in the public square and, and in this presidential election process. So would encourage you encourage you to do that. And then always feel free to be in touch with us through our Facebook page on Twitter, you know, reaching out over email at engage at andcampaign.org. And we, we'd love to hear from you about the way that the, the, the statement uh, t- touched you, what, what, what you think of it and that sort of thing. Uh, Justin, do you have any, any final, final, uh, final thoughts to close out the podcast? Yeah, just just read it, uh, show it to your friends, and 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 consider signing it. Uh, not just for us, but as we talked about earlier, earlier, because your salvation could depend on it. Not really, but <laughs> more so, so you can get involved in the in the political process and not just be an observer. We're trying to give you those opportunities. So thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Absolutely. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.